Hey guys, this is your host, Natalie Allport, and this is All In. On today's episode, we're going all in with six-time CrossFit Games athlete, Lucas Parker. In this episode, we talk through a day in Lucas's life, how Lucas is preparing for regionals, and some thoughts and insights on what's yet to come for Lucas and CrossFit in general. Without further ado, let's, let's go all in. Let's get started. Let's get started. Okay, I think we're all good. Cool. Cool. So, Lucas, awesome to have you here. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Nat. Um, yeah, you've recently made the move out east to join us out here. Uh, you're training over at CrossFit NCR. Yep. Uh, what do you miss most about the West? I was born on the West Coast, and I know um, I miss it all the time. Uh, the geography is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, so I grew up uh, on, a, on, on the waterfront, on the rocks, on the beach, and I, that was sort of uh, mine and my younger brother's playground as we were growing up. And every time a big storm would come in, the playground would get rearranged, right? The logs and the forts would all get shifted around. and So that's kind of a very unique uh, feature that, that I've been missing out here. Um, but on the flip side, I've never actually lived through a real Canadian winter because we get maybe one day of snow in Victoria. Um, so it's been cool being in, in the East in Ottawa to be able to, you know, drive 20 minutes out, um, to like park Gatineau and do some cross country skiing, which I've never done before. So I've still been able to find, um, fun things to do outside. Right. And would you say the lifestyle here is less outside or more outside than on the West coast? It's hard to say. Um, it's a little bit more, I think like, uh, uh, like, (laughs) (laughs) As far as the dog is concerned, it's an inside (laughs) lifestyle these days. But uh, no, I think, you know, there's a lot more like um, forced categorization and like what you're doing. It seems like when you're in the East, it's a lot more seasonal. Um, Whereas like on the West Coast, you can ride your bike all year. Um, But as soon as the snow hits the roads here, it's kind of like, well, you know, you got to you find something else to do that's not available during the summer. Um, So it's kind of nice because it almost encourages you to like take advantage of what you have right now in these few months, you know? Right, exactly. So was this your first official Canadian full winter? Yes, I, I hesitate to call myself a real Canadian until after this winter actually, because I've never had to endure the hardships of, uh, <clears throat> of the snow. Everyone, you know, I have a lot of uh, acquaintances and, and fans like from the States and stuff, and they're all, oh, it must be real cold up in Canada. Like, and it's, well, actually I live on Vancouver Island. It's pretty, it's pretty temperate, um, and and I'm not really living in an igloo, so to speak. But uh, got pretty close to to igloodom here. Um, a couple big snowfalls, um, like the the plows will come by and just like shove things off on the sidewalks and totally like bury your car. And then like so they pile up the sidewalks and then the sidewalk plows come through and then these these like deep channels in the snow that are like five feet high. It feels kind of like you're walking around the Arctic. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely um, a big difference in weather for you for uh, moving out here. Yeah. So one interesting question, a few questions that I have here were from people at NCR. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's a few people who are very interested in knowing more about you. Um, so one question that we got was what would you be doing if you weren't a CrossFit athlete? I want to know kind of what was your main interest or career goals before CrossFit? I often kind of joke with my, with myself, uh, that I picked the wrong sport. Like I should, <laughs> you know, I, I should have picked like darts or something, Darts, right? Cause it's like, that's the only sport where you can literally like smoke a cigar and drink a beer and still compete in your sport and win, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. Right. Um, so <clears throat> I think 
when it comes down to it, like, you know, to get into like more deep uh, questioning and thinking right away, kind of why am I, why am I doing this? One of the main reasons is like, I really, really, really don't want to have to get a real job. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I've, I've had a few real-ish jobs. Like I've worked, uh, you know, a grocery store and a window factory, uh, done some other like um, kind of manual labor stuff. Um, so I just, I, I know that I don't want to do manual labor. And so that's kind of weird that I ended up in like basically doing like very structured, prescribed manual labor <laughs> yeah. with a barbell. Um, and then I also, I, I went to University of Victoria and did a degree there. And even that, you know, that kind of gave me the impression that I don't want to have more of like an office style job. So I don't really want to have kind of like a nine to five um, typical thing that you sort of see in, in sitcoms and the movies where you have to like chat around the water cooler and deal with bosses and coworkers like that doesn't really appeal to me much either. Um, so it's basically either be a criminal or be a crossfitter, I guess. <laughs> be a criminal or be a crossfitter. So uh, I think that got away slightly from your original question, um, which was what again? What would your uh, your career be if, oh, if you right. weren't doing if I, if I wasn't CrossFit, doing yeah. CrossFit? Um, man, I a don't criminal. know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Actually, when I was younger, that was I wanted to be a few things. I wanted to be like a race car driver, maybe a stuntman, or uh, a jewel thief. I thought it'd be really cool to be like, not like, you know, a criminal that like holds up. Hurts people. Or, yeah, yeah, or hurts people. I want to like break in in the middle of the night, like dodge the lasers and like steal some sweet jewels that are like insured and no one gets hurt. But I, I've still demonstrated that I'm like, you know, the top, the top dog in the, in the crime world. <laughs> in the crime world. Yeah. Well, I think your agility is pretty up there. So uh, oh, you might be excellent. successful at that. Yeah. So the main question that I actually, that people wanted to know about you, what do you do every day on a day-to-day -day basis? So I know oh, people man. at the gym will see you for a couple <laughs> hours or uh, probably like four hours. Right. Um, they're maybe there for only one hour of it. And, right, right. Um, and then some people see you on your YouTube or they see you in competition, but right. they want to know like, what time do you wake up? What time do you go to sleep? Um, yeah, like maybe start with your morning routine when you wake up and walk me through a day in your life. I feel like sometimes that's kind of like a passive aggressive question. Like, well, what do you do all day? Like, what do you, come on. but uh, I mean, much of my, uh, I guess, endeavor in the day is composed of exercising. And along with that, there's preparing to exercise and then the exercising and then recovering from exercising. And that can pretty much take up a whole day, um, yeah. depending on how you approach it. But I am definitely not a morning person. I like to sleep in. I think if I was left to my own devices, I'd probably go to bed around 12 or 1 and probably get up around like 9 or 10. Um, but I've been trying to sort of uh, rein that in a bit and reorganize that just to make life easier with my partner, Lindsay. And uh, because from like a, you know, a biological perspective or sort of like a paleo approach, like it's arguably better quality sleep. To not be like sleeping in the sunlight right so like if you right. if you theoretically were to go to bed when the sun set and get up when the sun rises that's probably the best um quality and quantity of sleep that you're going to get but uh i'm, I'm quite quite a, quite a ways away from that but that's definitely in the back of my mind um so yeah i'll usually get up around like eight or nine if i'm uh feeling motivated um i have kind of an elaborate morning routine that involves uh some some green tea, some uh, some supplements. I usually take a take a fish oil with some some bone broth, kind of first thing in the morning. Um, that's been kind of just one of the things I try and do to give myself a little bit of a 
to kind of stay ahead of the curve of like just all the the other maybe less than ideal like uh, less than healthy supplements and just the amount of food and like carbohydrates and like just massive quantity of macronutrients that I have to consume as an athlete. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I think knowledge and research that's just beginning to sort of come to light out there about like, like gut permeability and leaky gut with like athletes and performance and things like that. Um, I had a colleague in, in uh, in university in our degree program, who did a presentation on uh, on gut permeability in triathletes, and it was like, oh, that actually has like, you know, a, there's a lot of factors involved with like having an elevated core temperature and body temperature for hours on end, that can have an uh, uh, an effect on your intestinal permeability, all things like that. So finding a way to sort of combat that with some some fish oil and some bone broth and some other supplements, um, try and get that in first thing in the day. Uh, and then depending on what's up for training, like if I have a particularly big training day, I might do a bit of an e-stim. Um, so one of the protocols that a few people have recommended is like a few hours before your session. So let's say you're going to train, you know, some rowing and some thrusters, like it's a really quad intensive day. Yeah. Maybe a few hours before that, you might hit a, uh, a an endurance program or a strength program on your quads with a, an e an e-stem like a compex or a power dot um i think you might be familiar with uh yeah. some of those programs um so that's basically for those who are unfamiliar it's like um like some electrodes you put on your muscles and then let's say if it's the power dot device you can actually use your phone um and an app on your phone to tell tell the tell the electrodes to contract uh you know in a certain frequency and duration and that'll maybe give you a strength stimulus um and that's a great way to sort of activate the muscles without fatiguing them too much and also sort of prime the motor units you want to use later in the day. Um, so sometimes I'll do that before, like if I know I have a, a CrossFit open workout coming up or a big sort of bodybuilding style session to kind of get a little bit more performance out of that. Uh, then I'll have a big breakfast, usually a, a big pile of rice. I usually eat like dinner food for breakfast. Um, okay. So I don't, uh, I'm kind of off eggs. I've been off eggs for two or three years. Um, just as sort of a food sensitivity thing that came up. I did some food sensitivity testing a couple of years back and I was off the charts for eggs and almonds. Interesting. Kind of, I, like eggs is common for people, almonds maybe not so much. But uh, yeah. so I said, oh, I'll give it a shot. And I took it out and I, I missed it at first because that used to be my breakfast. Like every day it was like four to six eggs, a bunch of veggies and stuff. And, yeah. And maybe not surprisingly, I guess by just eating the same thing over and over again, you can kind of develop some... Um, some food sensitivities apparently especially if you have increased kind of gut permeability leaky gut intestinal permeability things from elevated you know training intensity and and stress hormones and things like that Um, so it all kind of links together uh, (laughs) funnily (laughs) enough Um, so then finally I'll get myself into the gym uh, do a pretty elaborate warm-up which usually just involves like I have a few like things that are always issues for me so it's like a rib thing or a shoulder thing or an ankle thing that I'm working on so I'll try and take care of, of those things that are, you know, they need to get sort of do some prehab, rehab, um, and then I'll do some some specific preparation for my session. Uh, so things that are more relevant to what I'll be attacking that day. Um, and then I'll start actually warming up to like the weights or the intensities or the, um, the, the, the full movements that I'm going to be doing that day. Right. Um, Definitely and, getting yeah. into your warm-up is on the list of oh, right on. <laughs> things okay. I want to dive yeah, into. Yeah, yeah. yeah, cool, cool. Uh, so yeah, in the past, uh, I would finish my session and just sort of like jet home, uh, get some food in me and chill out. 
Um, what I've been trying to work on fairly recently is doing a bit more of a cool down because okay. I spend a lot of time like warming up and preparing, which is great, but almost some of that is almost like delayed recovery stuff I need to do from the from the session before, right? So right. let's say I do like a killer CrossFit open workout. I'm tired as heck. I just go home. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that didn't get done for recovery in terms of stretching out, cooling down, you know, recycling some of those, uh, those metabolic waste products that are just like sitting there rotting in my muscles. Um, so I feel like maybe if I do a bit more of an effective cool down, I can then the next day feel a bit better and not have to warm up as much. Right. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. It's a new, it's a new experiment. Oh, you might change up the warm up routine. I might. Yeah. I'm trying to shorten it up. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, when I get home, um, well, if I'm smart, uh, I'll pack a meal to have right after I'm done training. Yeah. So I'll have hopefully either done some food prep during the week or um, rely on the uh, the uh, the helpfulness of uh, of my partner Lindsay, who maybe is actually at home right now if it's a Sunday uh, doing some cooking. Uh, so I'll, uh, I'll take some of her leftovers from her weekly food prep. She counts all her macros and stuff like that. Right. So she will make a bunch of food, weigh it out, portion it out into dishes, and she has her meals for the week. I don't uh, I do not do as, as uh, strict or elaborate of, of a, a weighing and measuring system. Um, I basically just sort of take her leftovers and, uh, and make, make some of my own stuff if I need to. Um, and kind of go by feel when it comes to macronutrients. Basically, okay. I, I, the rule of thumb is I always need to be eating more. Yeah. Like for someone who's you know training to compete in CrossFit, depending on how you train, most people are gonna be essentially both high volume and high intensity athletes. So you need you know high quality of fuel, high quantity of fuel, and uh, high frequency and intake of fuel. So it's kind of like you know training is a full time job and eating is a full time job. So right. it's like when in doubt just eat more eat more um, yeah i think that's so. pretty important a lot of people in fitness are like well when in doubt eat less they're like oh i skipped a meal well maybe i'll lose a couple pounds right. now or something yeah. versus if you're competing you almost want to be you know it's not too bad to gain anything but you don't want to lose any of that hard-earned muscle that's right. for sure yeah. yeah definitely different goals like training for health and wellness is different than training for uh, elite performance and it's also different than training for aesthetic goals mm -hmm. um so you got to act accordingly. Right. Um, so yeah, I'll finish training. I'll hopefully have a meal in the microwave there. Um, and then maybe after I get that, that bit of food in, that's when I might start a bit of a cool down. So I'll maybe spend five minutes on the assault bike, spend like two or three minutes stretching a couple muscle groups and, uh, and then I'll head home. When I head home, I'll make up a big blender shake. Um, probably chill out for a bit, hang out on the computer, um, look at some, some dank memes online. Uh, <laughs> and uh creep reddit and well no yeah I, I try not to get uh get too far out of my comfort zone there but it's where it's uh, a, a foreign world to me um and uh yeah we catch up on a couple chores shower and then just basically try and catch up on like all the life things that i put off because i was focusing on getting into to train that day right so right. I've, I've kind of found that if i if i get up in the morning if i start with a couple hours of like you know, catch, uh, like doing some emails, um, working on social media stuff, all these things can kind of add up and really eat away at my time. So I try to keep myself to like a mandate of my priority is prepping for the gym, getting my breakfast done, doing my morning routine, um, having good, setting myself up for quality training, 
And then after that's done, then in the few hours that I have remaining, that's when I'll try and, and do some some actual grown-up activities, <laughs> um, maybe socialize uh, if, if uh, I have energy, um, but may, mostly just, yeah, recover and, and try and get to bed on time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you take any specific supplements before you go to sleep or do you just... Yeah, pretty much dependent on uh, melatonin for like say half the year. So basically, yeah. as soon as the cross the competitive CrossFit season starts, and the level of stress increases, the level of uh, training volume increases, um, I feel like I don't want to make you know any sacrifices when it comes to my sleep. So it's kind of a better safe than sorry thing. I usually take a few um, milligrams of melatonin pretty much every night. Uh, and then often I'll find myself, I'll wake up at like 3 a.m. and I'll just take a little bit more melatonin just to kind of try and smooth that out a bit and, right. and get some quality sleep. Um, yeah. Other sleep things are like a ZMA, which is like a zinc and magnesium. Um, I really like magnesium because it's uh, it also is sort of a muscle relaxant depending yeah. on like the form of magnesium you take. So melatonin is a little bit more like it's a hormone. Um, so I haven't seen any... I haven't seen any info or research that says it interferes with your body's natural productions, but there's always that worry of like, oh, if I'm feeding myself a hormone every day, is that going to throw off my right. throw off start my relying system? On it. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas I feel like, well, if you take a bit of extra magnesium, um, that's a little bit potentially less uh, extreme. But uh, yeah, so magnesium, yeah. melatonin, um, and then I'll also try and get some more fish oil in me before bed. Um, if I feel like I need a little bit of dessert and there's nothing around, uh, I'll often have a uh, little bit of Jack Direct's cocoa water okay. uh, with some ice cubes in there. So basically, it's just like a kind of like a popsicle or an ice cream. It's nice. Oh, yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Make a BCAA slushie or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Do you find you get really weird dreams on ZMA? Sometimes, yeah. 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 It's usually like if, say, I'm in the off season, I'm kind of like maybe I haven't taken any supplements for a few months. And then I get back on a, a ZMA, something like that. It will definitely be a noticeable shift, and I'll have some sketchy dreams. Yeah. And then after a couple of weeks, of that it seems to kind of iron itself out. Yeah. yeah. I had a you? dream before the open that I beat Carl Webb in a 5K run. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I took ZMA. Wow. I remember waking up, and I remember that feeling like I was so pumped, awesome. and I was like, oh, I just beat Carl Webb in a 5K. And uh, but the 5K in my dream took uh, three minutes and 50 seconds. Huh. So I'm not really sure the logistics logistics. Was it in that. a car? <laughs> I don't know. It was a very strange yeah, dream. Right. It yeah. was I just remember crossing the finish line. And I was like 350. That's the best time yet. Was, <laughs> yeah. In the world yeah. ever. Well, that would be something if if someone could create some sort of a, a supplement or or even a, like a meditation program that could you know guarantee you are extremely biased towards like positive, awesome, happy dreams. Like yeah. that would be so awesome because that is in a sense uh you know if you're sleeping for ideally like a third of your waking hours if you can have those extra you know eight hours be a very positive stimulating motivating inspiring experience then that would be amazing yeah i had a friend while i was snowboarding who was telling me about lucid dreaming and he right. was saying you could learn tricks in your dreams and right. i always kind of pass it off like i don't know like i ride all day i think i just want to relax yeah, and yeah, sleep yeah. and not have to do something where you wake up every few hours and try to right. do some weird dream and yeah you, it takes a lot pretty, of time it's pretty yeah. out there but i think there's something to it I've, I, you know i've heard a few uh podcasts and articles and i had a, a in high school, a professor who taught our psychology class that said that he did lucid dreaming and huh. 
it's pretty cool. You can like if you're say a, if you need to practice speeches or recitations for school or like you can actually practice it, which is like yeah. insane, right? Yeah. Yeah, That's it seems cool. interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I I totally see what you mean about that, like the happy dreams, and it's, it's just a positive feeling because you wake up after a weird dream and you you kind of have that weird vibe all day. Right. But I know, like after this dream, I woke up and I was like that feeling of being like so pumped yeah, yeah, after yeah. that. It makes me keep wanting to chase athletics and like yeah. get that feeling again. And it's kind of the same feeling I got in snowboarding. So it was kind oh, of nice. cool how it came up, you know, in <laughs> yeah. in your dream. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So with your training program, I know we just kind of talked a little bit on nutrition and supplements, right. but do, and then you said you don't really follow a regimen and nutrition program. You kind of eat as much as you can and hope it's healthy, healthy foods, but do you follow a regimented training program? Like do you periodize your training over the course of the year? Yes. Uh, is a short answer. Um, <laughs> the, the more complex answer is less and less over the years. Okay. So let's say back in 2010, 2011, 2012, I had, you know, big elaborate sort of plans for the year it was very more I guess what you would call uh, classical periodization so coming from I guess my uh, my university degree which was kinesiology and uh, having um, some very close like mentors who were strength and conditioning coaches so that's a bit more of like a classic uh, uh, strength and conditioning um, approach to you might do say you know um, a muscular uh, hypertrophy phase and then a muscular strength phase and then a power phase and then a sport specific things like right. that right that you that you hear about with with other sports the issue is that um, that might work for something like an, a weightlifting athlete or something like a rowing athlete or something like a swimming athlete where the demand on the on the athlete's performance is very predictable and specific and in a narrow niche right but CrossFit is kind of like the sport of strength and conditioning. So how do you periodize your strength and conditioning for performance in strength and conditioning? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you can really get into the philosophical weeds on that. But what I found was that doing big blocks of like a three-month focus on, say, one particular quality is great for developing that quality. But it also kind of means that you're taking a three-month, for example, a three-month departure from other qualities. Like, let's say if I'm, you know, working on my Olympic list for a few months, um, I'm probably not going to be getting better at pull-ups and my, you know, my max pull-ups and maybe my uh, my 2K rowing time is going to take a bigger hit over those few months than if I had done something a little bit more reasonable to maintain those activities. Um, right. So what I'm kind of leaning towards now is like, yes, I have kind of themes that I might want to hit or benchmarks I might want to chase through different parts of the year, but it's a bit more of like an integrated kind of flow. Um so a good example would be, you know, if you're like a DJ and like a sound mixing booth, right? You have these kind of like sliders that you move up and down. I, I've never actually used one of these. I'm just kind of like trying to picture it in my head. So you never actually like would, I would never like flick a switch on or off. So it's like I flick a weightlifting switch on and that means I have to switch the endurance switch off. I'm trying to get away from that. So it's like if I have sliders instead of switches, maybe you slide up a little bit more on the strength training slider. When you slide down a little bit more on the endurance training slider, but both of those both of those lines are still present in the graph, if that makes right. sense. Right, they're still moving. Yeah. Yeah, was, yeah. There's so many new things coming into CrossFit and like new movements and things that it could be very difficult to, you know, new movement comes in, you're like, well, I can't neglect this. So it just keeps adding yeah. up. How do you kind of manage that volume of training all the new movements and not forgetting the old ones? Uh, that is tricky. Um, and you kind of see that over the years with like, 
year to year yeah when they do you know add in a particular movement or a new theme to the to the competition like some people will do really well because it maybe they just got lucky and they had like a background in a particular sport or they just for some reason were training a certain way that year and other athletes will be really unlucky um so for example uh in 2011 um i think there's a video that came out of me uh uh, CrossFit a sort of interview article and they had me doing or they they had footage of me doing a, a, a scaled up uh, King Kong so the King Kong workout I don't even remember exactly what it is but it's like um, it's like heavy deadlifts at like 450 pounds I think there's cleans at like 250 something Strict handstand push-ups or there's something? Ha- handstand push-ups and muscle ups okay and so I did the workout with weighted muscle ups and freestanding handstand push-ups oh, wow on, on parallettes, I think. Um, so at the time, that was quite advanced gymnastics. Um, it maybe kind of still is. Um, however, that gave me zero benefit or reward when it came to CrossFit competitions because CrossFit competitions, you know, had very really like basic level gymnastics stuff. So yeah. it was more about muscular endurance as opposed to balance and skill and strength and things like that. Where so I basically scrapped that stuff from my program for the past few years because I didn't really need to work on it. And then <laughs> comes up with the games last year. There was a, a, a ring handstand push up. Yeah. Um, and I didn't do very well in that event, partly because I had um, some uh, some no reps. Um, <laughs> uh, where and other other athletes, I guess, didn't have some no reps. Um, so I wasn't watching over my shoulder. But there's maybe discrepancies there. But also partly because, you know, I hadn't sort of done much of that training that year in particular. Whereas if someone had decided, oh, this year I think it'll be fun to work on ring handstand push-ups. Yeah, they might not come up a competition, but it'll be good for my, you know, my my skill and my shoulder strength, blah, blah, blah. And then, oh my God, it actually came up in competition. Like, wow, I'm in the money. Yeah. So there's, there's, a bit of, there's a bit of that to worry about. But as soon as you start getting too focused on that, like back to your original question, like how do you sort of balance that stress and load of deciding what to train, like... I think a good approach is to kind of train what you're good at and capitalize on your strengths and train what you're weak at and bring up your your most glaring weaknesses and kind of hope and assume that the things in the middle will kind of fill themselves in. Right. Um, and then depending on what part of the season you're in, like you can even look at that like in terms of energy systems. Like let's say you're... You're training the creatine phosphate system, which is like your sprints, your heavy lifts, your explosive stuff. And then you're training the aerobic system, which is like some long cyclical activities like rowing, assault bike, whatever. Um, If you're working really hard in both those areas, chances are you'll get a little bit of carryover to the movements in between that are more like the muscular endurance, the the glycolytic energy system, things like that. Um, Which is kind of some people would say the most stressful way to train, right? That sort of... That's like where you're really feeling the burn, the the massive overloads of lactic acid, things like that. Yeah. Um, so that can be kind of a way to approach training. Um, but basically, picking your battles is important. Um, <laughs> and that can depend on your goals. So I know that as a, as a competitive CrossFitter, uh, as the CrossFit Open is approaching... I probably don't need to be, if I if I if I only have so much energy in the in the day and the week if I have to pick my battles I probably don't need to be doing a lot of swimming I probably don't need to be doing a lot of running if I'm getting ready for the CrossFit Open well if I want to do cardio then maybe I'm going to choose rowing because we've seen rowers come up in the CrossFit Open right um, 
you know, and then you can make those arguments with other movements uh, and sort of go from there. Yeah, you know? like picking a thruster over... Um, a back squat. A back squat, yeah. Right. Like back squats. Have they come up at all? I don't think so. Uh, think there they're... was one year in regionals, there was a, actually a really gnarly workout that was like 50, 40, 30 of a squat, a shoulder to overhead. Oh. No, a squat, a pull up, and a shoulder overhead. Ooh. And it was three rounds. So the first round was back squats at 135. Then the next round was front squats at a lighter weight. And then the last round was overhead squats at a lighter weight. And then there was 40 pull-ups each round. And then 30 shoulder to overhead as the weights went down. It was pretty, yeah, it was <laughs> one of the harder workouts I've done. Yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But, but on the open level, it's probably not not as right. likely, I guess. And yeah. like bench press, for example, right? Like right, yeah. That's, it's come up in maybe like a team event. There was the... Uh, the team series, I think, had bench press last year or the year before. Um, but, you know, if you have to sort of pick what you're going to work on, maybe something like uh, focusing more on, like, push-up endurance or some burpees or some ring dips, uh, things that are going to be a little bit more applicable to your performance in the CrossFit Open. Right. Um, but yeah. if you're thinking longer term or if you're training for another sport or if you want if you have to balance out particular muscle groups, then that will change the pool of movements that you might choose from. Right. So would you suggest that someone who's just training, you know, they do the open, but they're just training kind of for the sport of life and work on whatever, go running, go swimming, go do anything. And then if they're training specifically to make regionals or place well in the open, then they should be focusing on these movements before kind of. I think so. Um, it's very easy to say, like in hindsight, when you see an athlete say come up short or, or fail or not do well in competition, either it's in the open or at regionals or at the games, it's very easy to say in hindsight, oh, they should have been doing more of this, oh, they should have been doing more of that. And you know, they probably were doing those things, but they also had to train all these other possibilities that maybe could have come up that maybe right. didn't come up right. or, or did, and they did do well in them. Um, uh, but in terms of, yeah, training for sort of health and wellness and like the general CrossFitter, um, my friend uh, and, uh, and mentor in Victoria, owner of CrossFit Big City, Cam Bertwell, has, has a program at his box where he provides three days of programming so Monday and Tuesday or do the same workout. Okay. Wednesday and Thursday do the same workout. Friday, Saturday do the same workout. So you're encouraged to come into the box three days a week. Okay. And or you're, or you're, the, the program you pay for is you come into the box three days a week. That's the basic level. And then you're encouraged on those outside days to go do other stuff, right? Go, go for a hike. Go for a kayak. Go take a yoga class. Go play ball with your friends. Right. Um, and actually apply your fitness, use your fitness, enjoy your fitness outside the gym. Uh, so I think that's an interesting approach as an affiliate owner to say, no, I don't really want you in the gym seven days a week. I mean, sure, that's maybe great for my bottom line. Your physique might look better. Your performance in CrossFit <laughs> Open might improve. But if you're training for health and wellness and happiness and enjoyment of your like physical existence as a person, you actually have to like, you know, make good on that make good on that endeavor and actually yeah. go do it right right and the yeah. open can be quite stressful i mean it's yeah it's a fun time but yeah. for, <laughs> i mean it, it depends i i know personally i love yeah. the open around the gym because everyone is getting so intense like the atmosphere is really mm -hmm. it just is an interesting vibe in comparison to the average day where people mm -hmm. are just heading back from work and, right. and getting a workout in but the average CrossFit athlete might not need to to put so much stress on this as they're just like stressing all year. Oh, the next year's open, but right. they also have no plans of competing. They don't have anything over that. So it's like maybe step, take a step back. You don't need to blow your shoulders out doing thrusters every single day for a year right, getting ready. Right. You could just go go hike or 
go for a swim. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a cop-out to say, and I really don't like the word balance, but I guess it is about finding... <laughs> A balance or finding an appropriate mixture of oh, uh, there you go. of activities and stress. Like stress is stress is is good. Stress is beneficial within a certain zone, right? If you have zero stress and you just sit inside in a hermetically sealed room with no windows and no doors, sounds fun. <laughs> and somehow get like oxygen and food, maybe you'll live a long life, but it won't be very good quality. Right. Whereas if you're you know, in the, the military and you're overseas and your life is on the line every single day, that's probably too much stress and you're going to have very negative health implications from that. So finding somewhere in the middle ground where you're providing enough sort of stimulation challenge to yourself as an organism and then giving yourself time to recover from that. I mean, right. that's the basic yeah. principle of training. Yeah. So back to the warm-ups. I know I said yeah. I would come back to this right. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure you, you maybe get uh, harped on a little bit from fellow CrossFit mm -hmm. athletes or maybe people... Not harped on because I think your warm ups are like I know I've been like putting in my own workouts, maybe more of a focus on warm ups nice. after kind of seeing you do your long warm ups. Oh. Mine aren't quite as long, oh. but uh, but I like I I see the value for sure. Okay. Um, but I, yeah, if you could walk me through kind of do you structure your work like your warm ups? I like guess I know you mentioned you know if you have a weakness like your ribs or something, right. you're gonna incorporate that every day. But is there kind of like a plan you follow all the time? Because it's pretty long, like you do a lot of different movements yeah yeah um i mean at this point it's kind of habitual and i've been kind of building and shifting and changing and always kind of adapts over the years but uh um the the one of the main principles i sort of try and use and what i usually try and start with before any other stuff is kind of just like a kind of contract relax approach so uh, i'll try and think of like an easy example let's say i have a um uh, oh, the toes is a good example. So one of the, the most under um, underdeveloped and overlooked areas in in many sports and in CrossFit is uh, is like toe flexion extension and sort of like intrinsic foot mus musculature stability. I've definitely found that I've been having back issues with my back squat, not my back, but my back squat <laughs> um, for a few years. And one of the things that really helped me progress in that is is rebuilding some support and strength in like the arch of my right foot. Um, huh. And then that helps carry up the chain to make my knee feel better, which allows my back squat to, to improve. Um, and with even with like Olympic lifts, like a split jerk, if you don't have adequate uh, uh, toe uh, extension, um, so to be able to like be on the ball of your foot in a strong position, you, that position is gonna get thrown off through your knee, through your hip, and that's gonna carry up and you're gonna have a weak jerk. And uh, I've had a lovely couple opportunities to work with uh, Chris Hinshaw, who's sort of a very well-known running coach in the sport. And he also puts a lot of emphasis on building up some some toe flexibility and strength just because like, if that's limited in, in your stride, you're basically like, you know, running off half of your foot instead of being able to like roll through your full, your full range of motion on your foot and get right. a stronger, more powerful stride. So... Um, so the, the whole contract relax thing, basically like imagine standing facing a wall and sort of like basically putting your toes up on the wall, kind of like smudging your toes down the wall. So your foot is on the floor and your toes are up the wall and basically just doing static contractions into the wall and then static contractions like you're trying to pull back off the wall, sort of holding for a few seconds in each direction. Um, and basically what that's doing is if you have any joint restrictions, you're basically teaching your body that it's. Like you're, what you're doing is you're showing your body, hey, I'm producing force in this position. 
I'm contracting these muscles in this position and everything's fine, nothing's hurting. <laughs> and oh, no, I'm going the other direction. I'm pulling away. I'm contracting in this position. Nothing's hurting, nothing's going wrong. So you're kind of using like a neurological kind of unlocking technique to show your body, teach your body that it's safe to produce force in this range of motion. And then if you do have, you know, particular joint issues, then you can use that to sort of get things to relax and open up a bit. And then you can go a bit deeper into a, into a range of a joint and do some more contracting, relaxing. So I'll do that with, uh, um, with my toes, with my hips, with my shoulders, uh, shoulders, especially are a good one. You know, there's so many different degrees of, of, of freedom in the shoulders, so many, uh, directions it wants to move and contract. Uh, there's like an infinite number of options there, yeah. but, uh, um, a, a big one for me is uh, is overhead position and also a ring dip position. So for my ring dip position, I'll find that like oh I have some some like tension and scar tissue in my bicep. So I'll put my uh, I'll put my arm in a position. Um, it's it's tough to sort of describe uh, in a, in an audio format, um, but I guess shoulder uh, <clears throat> shoulder extension, which is if your arm is hanging down by your side, if you move it further back behind you. Um, so what I'll do is I'll hold a I'll hold a broomstick behind me, and I'll pull the broomstick into my hamstrings or into my butt, or right. if I uh, maybe I'll bend over and pull it into my calves. So I'm doing a static contraction where my bicep is behind me and I'm contracting, pulling it forward. I'm gonna hold, 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 and then relax, and then I'll contract the other direction. So I'm contracting my tricep or the back of my shoulder, pushing back, pushing back, hold, 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 and relax. And after a few repetitions of that that particular range of motion will loosen up a bit and I'll feel stronger, more safe, more able to control and produce force in those positions. So that's a right. huge part of my warm-ups and my preparation. Um, and that can be specific to the, the workout that I'm about to do, or it can just be an issue that I, that I have that I need to work on every day, which is like, for me, it's my, my, right, uh, my right toes and ankles and my right shoulder. Um, another thing that I'll, uh, that I'll incorporate is... Um, uh, a lot of like breathing exercises. So starting with the most basic form, which is like laying on your back with your legs at 90 degrees and kind of like learning to breathe into your, into your abdomen, into, into your diaphragm. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll poke my fingers in different positions, like low down sort of in like the, the crease of my hip or like into my sides or into kind of the back of my ribs. And I'll try and see if I can breathe in different areas of my body. Um, if you can't breathe, you can't exercise for more than a few seconds, right? No, and yeah. <laughs> and uh, different different breathing patterns are 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 conducive or detrimental to different you know things you're trying to do. So breathing is not just breathing. Um, you can breathe through your belly. You can breathe through your chest. You can breathe through your neck. You can have all these sort of different kind of uh, motor patterns or like or or like paradigms for breathing, and they're all related to. Uh, to get kind of in, into uh, the, the the less concrete stuff here, they're all almost related to like different emotions, right? It's so like if you imagine, you know, chakras. Like, yeah, well, sure. <laughs> if if you're if you look at like a gorilla who's like facing down another like silverback, and uh, you know he's puffing himself up and he's like smacking his chest oh, and stuff. Yeah. Like, there's that sort of scenario, and that's more sort of. I guess you call it like chest breathing or torso breathing. So your yeah. your pecs and your lats and like your big skeletal muscles, they do attach onto your ribs and you can use those muscles to, you know, move your torso in and out and you can sort of breathe in that way. Um, and, and in a, in particular scenarios, like in a high intensity um, 
setting, that's sure that's beneficial. Um, whereas like if you're say on the, on the losing side of that and you're starting to panic cause you're losing the fight, your breath might kind of creep up in your, <laughs> yeah. in your neck or if anyone's ever had, you know, a panic attack or anxiety issues, um, you'll notice that like your neck gets really tight. Um, if you can watch and, and see and feel your collarbones lifting up and down, almost like choking, huh? almost kind of yeah. choking yourself out a little bit. Um, and that's not a very uh, functional or conducive way to breathe. Um, and then on the flip side, when you're trying to like calm yourself down and have more sort of, uh, um, yeah, gentle, relaxed emotions, that's like sort of deep, relaxed kind of belly breathing. Um, so kind of learning what different positions, what different styles of breathing your body can do and learning to like switch between the, the few, the, the few of them has been, uh, I think really beneficial for me, both in, in my exercise and outside of my exercise. So that's part of my morning routine is I'll do some, uh, kind of a meditation practice, but much of it is just like breath control and like breathing, um, pacing, uh, things like that. So it's less sort of like a spiritual meditation and more of a physical meditation, but I still right. find it quite beneficial. Yeah. Um, so that, and that's part of my part of my warm up as well. So a lot of breathing stuff, a lot of contract, relax stuff, um, and that will get me ready to actually exercise. Um, <laughs> and that's I mean that's the very short answer is like what what is my warm up? Why do I do my warm up? Is like I just want to feel like I'm ready to go. Right. So I and I don't want to go before I'm ready. Um, right. And in in a competition setting, that might not be possible because you know your event starts at like. 2 13 p.m. and your next event starts at 3 47 p.m. but uh in most average training days if i want to get the most out of training i want to be ready to go i want to just do whatever it takes to get me ready to go and that's gonna be different for everybody right. for me it's a lot of stuff because this is my seventh year doing it and uh and it takes its toll yeah yeah yeah, yeah i've been trying to do the longer warm-ups and i know i did the same kind of thing i was like okay my t-spine i need to warm up my breathing um you know a few little issues in my shoulders so that's kind right. of what i focused on and after a while i started falling off and i'm trying to get mm. back into it but i noticed that i kind of get bored right you know and, and you're, yeah. you want to just get moving and start doing something instead of kind of okay i gotta keep doing this shoulder rotation or whatever mm. do you ever find your warm-ups boring do you ever like do you do you enjoy warming up yeah um i sort of do uh because i i see the i see the result from it right like right then that day yeah you know so if i if i add a new move to my warm-up or if i take something out um if i am you know really sore in one area and i can make a difference in that like i'll see a direct a direct benefit or or um or result from that within the next 30 or 40 minutes so it's a pretty pretty quick feedback loop yeah um, uh so that would be i guess my encouragement <laughs> to you and motivation is like well are you doing these things because they actually help you and like yeah. so just you know look for those look for those uh, clues and cues and, and those little easter egg presents are like oh wow like the last couple of weeks i've been really diligent with my shoulder prehab stuff and all of a sudden my thrusters and my jerks feel amazing um, and just take that as like a little reward that your, right. your hard work is, is paying off, you know? <laughs> hard work, it's, it's doing it, yeah. yeah well, so I, I enjoy that aspect of it. Um, and if I am feeling like demotivated and tired and it's like I show up in the gym and it's been a hard week of training and I'm like, ah, oh, this workout, I'm not very excited about it. Mm. But 
So to get to that point feels like a million miles away. But if I start with something easy, if I start with something approachable and achievable, like a warm up that makes me feel good, um, then that's a good way to bridge that gap if you're right. not feeling hot when you walk in the gym. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of this this daily practice I've been doing, which is just making my bed. It's super simple, but oh, really? I often, I don't, I don't do that. yeah, I forget to make my bed, but I read something that, you know, sometimes, you know, when you, you wake up and you feel like, oh, I don't want to do this. I have this work to do today, or I have to go train and right. I'm not looking forward to this workout. The one thing is forcing yourself to, to make your bed first is kind of getting you on track to do some progress in your day. So it's like a simple, small thing takes mm. two seconds. And then you're like, wow, okay, I just did something. And now I can move on to the bigger task or right. keep doing something else. And it snowballs from there. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. I'm kind of disappointed you brought that up. I think <laughs> Lindsay's going to get on me to make the bed better. In the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's been, uh, it's been good to get the day going, I think. Oh, I know. Yeah. So I, I, you touched on this uh, kind of at the start about your why behind CrossFit and things like this. Uh, um, but I'm very interested if you didn't compete, would you still do CrossFit or are you very much someone who's a competitive athlete and you want to be competitive in something? It's a good question. Um, I I think I, I will always train my body. I will always uh, diligently pursue physical activity and physical improvement and physical health. Um, I think there's a lot of athletes out there who sort of said uh, very easily like, oh yeah, I'll be, I'll be competing in CrossFit like all through all the master's categories and until the day I yeah. die. And, and I, I honestly am not uh, thinking about that. Um, I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. I think I have a few more years of like potential or a few more years of, of, of a window to hit my full potential, um, and to achieve. And then after that, I think I'll probably be focused on something else. Right. To compete well in CrossFit, you have to put a lot of time and energy into it. Um, so if I'm, you know, five or 10 years down the road, and I'm still uh, training the same way that I am today, I don't think I'll feel very fulfilled in life. Um, yeah. Having said that, five or, two, five or 10 years down the road, if I am doing something that really, really fulfills me, that it could be something completely unrelated to fitness. I mean, maybe I'll be a marine biologist. I'm like, who knows? But let's say I'm a marine biologist in 10 years. I'm, pro I'm going to still be exercising. I'm still going to be training i'm okay. still and it'll probably be it'll definitely be at a crossfit gym because in 10 years that's probably going to be the only <laughs> type of gym that exists um, yeah i hope so yeah um but yeah i don't think that in the typical way that i am now i don't think i'll i'll be doing that because uh in my opinion training for health and wellness is different than training for competition and performance right. um and in some ways those two things are at odds with each other especially if you uh, feel you have to train in a high volume and high intensity way that's just very stressful for your body um, and your body will respond to that stress but only for so long so either the volume and the intensity has to go down and somehow you still uh, achieve and compete based on skill and athleticism and, and who knows what or then that's kind of just just the end of the road right yeah. yeah. So I, I read online and someone asked you how long do you plan on competing and you had uh, the best answer and it was until I win Oh, yeah. I love that answer. It was, right. it was awesome. So yeah, you seem very all into your to your training. So it's all in this, and then you know if you, if you reach the point where you've you've achieved what you want to, or you're not feeling fulfilled anymore, then you're going to go all in on the next thing. Right. Um, 
is it until you win, do you think, or just until you feel that it might be just time to move on? Yeah, I, I uh, that was that uh, part of a, a Reddit. Uh, it was, yeah, the AMA. Uh, ask, AMA asking anything. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um, I, I think I still stand by that answer with some asterisks. Um, I feel like if... I feel like I have a particular definition of of of, uh, of fitness and and uh, and how to approach training for that, and I'm doing my best to uh, to adapt and to get better and to improve. Um, if for some reason the sport that I'm in changes and doesn't really line up with that anymore, I might have to consider what what sport I'm in. Um, so I'm definitely gonna give uh, give it my all to to win at the regional and games event and games podium level. Um, having said that, after a few more years of banging my head against the wall, maybe I'll realize, well, let's let's you know let's uh, let's pivot, let's change directions. I still feel like there's a few avenues for me athletically, uh, and potentially in other sports. Um, I believe I can do well in a speed and power sport, in a strength and power sport, maybe something like uh, bobsled or, I was about to or say, sprinting yeah, or something sled. like that. I actually, they would try to recruit you for sure. In, well, in 2010, <laughs> I actually, in uh, in 2010, I went to a, a national development camp for bobsled. No way. So that's been in the back of my mind since then. Um, at the time, I was like a student and the, 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 the pushing, the sliding season runs through the school year basically right, um, yeah. so that was kind of a, a no no go for me um, but in a few years time it is a fairly late entry sport so a lot of the guys there are 30 to 40 years old because um, okay. basically all you need to be able to do is just like <laughs> dump all your power for like six seconds and then you like sit yeah. in a tube and like pray that you don't die so <laughs> yeah I feel like I could, do, I could do that probably you yeah know? they yeah. try to recruit me too actually oh really yeah, yeah. oh dude you yeah. try it out yeah I know and I you know what I had a chance to because I was yeah. I was at the Whistler Athlete Center and I was training there uh nice. during my last year snowboarding and and there was a lot of bobsled and skeleton yeah, like camps yeah, yeah. out there so yeah a lot of like the athletes and huh. stuff and the strength and conditioning coaches there they're always watching me train and they're like you should come and do bobsled like yeah. they're always looking for kind of people who you know can move fast and are strong and powerful yeah, and yeah. you know then are risk takers and can go wow. but it's kind of funny because they were all like we would never hit the jumps you do and i was like i would never go down the track you right. do so <laughs> yeah i never ended up going because i was a little bit nervous like uh -huh. i think it was scary to me but it could be fun it could be uh, like you see like lolo jones like the sprinter she's doing right. both olympic uh disciplines oh, that's right yeah she's doing i think it's bobsled and hmm. yeah it's really cool it is cool so yeah you know give yourself a few more years in the crossfit field <laughs> and then when you start uh getting tired of the the intensity and the volume um you know go six for seconds is rinse. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah 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 you never know there's always uh some different avenues there yeah, yeah. it could be cool yeah. what's been the most difficult Thing for you as an athlete, the difficult moments. So this is kind of a tough question, but it is actually someone at the gym who wanted me to ask you this. Oh, and I wonder if they went through something like this too, because uh, the follow-up question was advice on other athletes if they hit that point. So, um, well, now I'm trying to you know guess who who asked the question <laughs> and and what their challenges and how to address that. But I mean to to turn it back towards me, uh, I I think it's it's. And as far as difficulty goes, it's less about particular moments and particular instances and more about just uh, the challenge of the process and staying staying invested, staying involved, staying inspired. Um, not that that's 
hard in and of itself, but just the nature of the nature of um, elite level training, if I can say that, the nature of you know pushing yourself pretty pretty dang hard, pretty pretty much every day, uh, is that it just does make you tired and worn out, and uh, and you know being fatigued physically is it's it's the job description. Yeah. Um, but that level of that level of, of, of stress and physical fatigue also carries with it uh, a pretty much a guarantee of having you know some some mental fatigue, some mental fog, some mental stress as well. So kind of learning to like manage that, uh, trying to separate the two, although they never really I don't think can be separated. Um, I think that's kind of the main the main obstacle to overcome. And I think if and when someone can can overcome that or if and when someone can you know take the take the physical beat down take the fatigue and and i guess see that as yeah as part of the job description as a positive sign that you are doing your job well um that can kind of help kind of get you through to basic level like i'm not a big fan of like rah 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 like pump up motivation stuff because i feel like that's very like it's like a firework, right? It's sparkly, it's flashy to look at, but then it fizzles out and it's gone and what are you left with? Right. Um, and and I guess we go further with the firework analogy of like, oh, it can backfire, right? If you are <laughs> if you're if you're holding it wrong or managing it wrong or lighting it wrong, it could be a dud, it could, you know, blow your hand off, things like that. Yeah. So I try to sort of keep things a little more level. Um, because the nature of the sport is is like ups and downs, right? There's excitements, there's highs, there's really stimulating moments, and there's just like beat downs and drudgery and like So trying to sort of, trying to sort of bring those two to more of a consistent middle ground is, is, um, is probably the the challenge I'd say, which is not very flashy and exciting to talk about, but I, I, it might be relatable to many people's lives just because, uh, um, you know, most of the things you notice in your life are either the really, the really exciting things or the really awful or irritating or annoying or negative things, um, and you kind of lose sight of the, uh, like the, if you're familiar with statistics, right? The bell curve where there's like the, the, uh, the standard deviations, um, away from the mean where like the, the two skinny ends of the graph, which is where most stuff does not happen on the, on the, the far left of the graph and the far right of the graph. Those are the, the extreme instances, the very positive, the very negative, yeah. but they're the skinniest and they have, they happen the least. Whereas the stuff in the middle, the, like the 95% of stuff is maybe not as positive or not as negative, but that's basically your life. Um, yeah. So yeah. learning to, uh, you know, zone. learning to number one, notice that, um, number two, uh, appreciate that. And then number three, you know, maybe potentially have an impact or be able to manipulate or change that is I think the life skill that we're all learning. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, it's a great avenue to learn that in sport because you're kind of forced into these relatively safe scenarios where you have to deal with positives, deal with negatives, but really dealing with positive and negatives in terms of like, you know, you have a goal scored against you or you score a goal. Like those aren't really actual real life not things. Not life or death. Or, it's not life yeah. or death. Exactly. Or yeah. like you're going to affect like a company of 500 people or exactly, something like that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Do you think that CrossFit is a little bit more rah, rah, rah though than other sports? Like I find every day there's the up and downs versus like I know when I first started CrossFit and I was living at home I would come back like I did this PR or like (laughs) oh I I beat this 
person at a workout uh -huh. today oh, or really? yeah you know just like little things where you just if, if you're very competitive you have that outlet every single day where you can kind of right. compete versus i know like in snowboarding it was there wasn't a competition every single weekend that i was doing uh -huh. so if you find that in crossfit it might be the same i know i think you played rugby before right. you know you get that one big pump up maybe once a week or something but you don't get it all the time yeah uh that's gonna vary greatly by personality i think uh, if you actually look at the sport or uh, or the activity of CrossFit, because there's there's CrossFit the training methodology, and there's CrossFit the sport, and those two things are almost quite different. And the, in some ways, there there's an attempt to like bridge the gap there, right? So depending on what type of gym you go to, depending on what type of athlete you are, depending on what you're looking for, you can walk in the gym every day and compete, essentially. Right. You can compete against your old PRs. You can compete against the people beside you. You can compete against the scores from the 7 a.m. class that are up on the whiteboard. <laughs> uh, and you can do that every single day. In my opinion, that's maybe not the best approach to take, um, but I'm coming from a very biased perspective of I do a lot of this stuff every day. Yeah. But let's say I have a nine to five office job that's relatively low key, maybe relaxed, maybe, you know, even boring, unfortunately. <laughs> maybe I look forward to that. Maybe that's the highlight of my day is that hour every evening where I get to throw down and push myself and compete. Right. Um, and maybe just doing it an hour a day at, at, you know, lower weights than I see at the CrossFit Games uh, is not going to totally beat me down. Um, but from, from my experience, from my perspective, I prefer a bit more of a, an ebb and flow to things. Right. So where I have, you know, a few days or a few weeks or a few months to sort of ramp up towards one particular test or event and then a sort of refractory period or a bit of time off where I can recover from that, yeah. reflect on that, analyze that, um, and then get ready for the next phase. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever heard of the Braverman test? It's like uh, I don't think so. It's an online personality test, and then oh it boy. puts you in like yeah. It's it's interesting. It was someone at the gym that told me to take it, and I'm like so uh. into all these things. So I was like, okay, like it could be interesting, and it actually classifies kind of what type of training you might like doing based on these like four. Um, kind of, it says your dominant neurotransmitters, I think. Oh, really? So there's like a GABA, personality type serotonin, dopamine, oh. and then acid. I think there's kind of like acetylcholine. A, yeah, yeah, that's it, exactly. And I got, I think my my um, main ones were acetylcholine and dopamine oh. are my top ones, which means people who really like vary training and, oh. and switching things up. Yeah, and then GABA was my deficient. So oh. saying I'm someone who's very yeah, go go go, and then I might get burnt out because I didn't take the time to rest and be able to. Uh, wow, be able I'd to love to learn more about that. Maybe after yeah. I get the uh, get the website from you. I think that's almost. I mean, you read. Uh, you hear about these books that are like, oh, there's like a blood type diet or this or that. Right. So it's like, oh, it's like the neurotransmitter diet or <laughs> yeah. the neurotransmitter training program, like how to train for your for your neurotransmitters, which is an interesting approach. I'm not sure if an online, how much insight an online quiz yeah. would give you into that, but I, yeah. So it just kind of asks you questions about like, yeah. just questions on scenarios, like how do you react? Or are you how? taking these questions from the quiz? No, no, no. Okay, okay. you know, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm quizzing you right now, right. and I'm gonna tell you your, yeah. your type at the end. <laughs> no, but, but yeah, it asks you different scenarios. So, right. um, I don't know, like a kind of classic, like introvert extrovert scenarios, oh, or um, do you enjoy training in general? Because it told me that, like, I think it was serotonin people or GABA. They're actually the least likely people to be kind of athletes or, or training. They're oh. more very, they like the strict regimented type, but sometimes right, they're people right. who might not 
be as as yeah. open to going hard or, or doing this but it has it's very interesting so it's not just for training specifically yeah, sure. yeah, i just kind of gave you this this answer about yourself and your neurotransmitters and how you might right. react in different situations and then and I wonder if that what you could work on. Time, right? Yeah. I imagine like with, you know, with aging or with life events or with a change in geography or diet or, or if you're near the equator or farther from the equator, if that's going to impact uh, your neurotransmitter profile. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of like Bally, my dog here. She's a little bit crazy now, <laughs> but maybe as she ages, she'll become more GABA and chill. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, back to, I have this other serious question. This is the last one of someone, uh, the last one from someone who uh, asked from the gym. Okay. And they wanted to know if there's ever been a point during regionals, the games, or even in training where you thought about giving up and just switching to something else. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like I mentioned at, at the top of the show, um, I sometimes feel like, man, I picked the wrong sport. I should have gone into darts. Um, <laughs> and I, I, usually, I usually think about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, during most competitions there's uh it's usually not during the workout i i i've been trying to do a pretty good job and i think i do a pretty good job of when i'm actually in an event or in a workout staying focused on the task and and trying to get through it you know occasionally my mind will drift or i'll take a look around and see someone in front of me and that could be negative or positive right. if, I, if i'm in front um but uh it's usually like sort of like after an event if i'm reflecting and things didn't go well and then my mind will start wandering of like oh well geez, okay, well, in training for next year, you know, and I'll start thinking like six months down the road, like, well, how am I going to, you know, get better at this event for next year or train for this like down the road or what program I'm going to be on. And instead of focusing on what I should be doing right now to like recover from the, from the workout I just did or to prepare for, for the next event, because it's going to come and happen whether I'm ready or not. Um, So there's definitely those moments. Uh, But I think I usually try and remind myself like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm in my, uh, I'm in my athletic prime. I'm in my uh, mid to late twenties uh, now, um, and I'm not gonna have a, really another chance in another like ten or twenty years to, to be at the top of of a sport to try and be the best in the world at, at something physical. Right. Um, so I want to sort of take advantage of that window of that of that gift that I have, uh, and if I can sort of bring myself back to appreciating that. Uh, that can usually get me through most of the uh, of uh, of the doubts or the thoughts about like quitting because like you know I can always I can always quit but I won't always be able to come back. Does they that have, sort of make sense? That totally makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like at forty years old, you're not going to win the the CrossFit Games. Right. I, I, maybe well, I could I mean, win masters, my, my master's yeah. division, but I personally I'm not as excited about that. I maybe right. when I when I'm when I get there I would be. Um, but right now I, I if this is what you're excited about right now. Yeah, yeah. I want to be excited about this now. I want to do my best right now. And, uh, right. if I feel negative about it, I just try and, yeah, just remind myself that I, I can always quit, but I can't always come back. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know sometimes in workouts, I'm like, why do we do this? Like yeah. to yeah. ourselves, but then I try to refocus it and be like, I chose to do this. <laughs> like I thought this was a good idea. You chose this, yeah. Matt. <laughs> yeah. And I also, well, I try to think like. I'm so lucky to be able to have a body that's able to be put through this and yeah. be able, and I'm lucky to have the time to be able to spend so much time at the gym doing this. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's like, interesting. Yeah. I was having a, uh, just a, a brief conversation the other day. It was like, that's a strange phenomenon in like the Western world or like the first world or uh, whatever like culture we're in that like we voluntarily <laughs> suffer and that's almost a, a status symbol or a, or an indicator yeah. that you have a pretty good life. 
Like yeah. if if you're if you're paying money to go into a warehouse and suffer, yeah. you're either at some sketchy like midnight sex club or you're at a CrossFit gym, and like yeah. either way, you're kind of enjoying it and you're there on, on of your own free will. Yeah, and um, your own dime. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it's because life here is maybe relatively easy compared to life with where there's other like political issues going on or things like that. Or I don't know. We just I guess we have the luxury to be able to do that. So. We're lucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, we talked a lot about kind of different things and that relates to sports psychology and things like that. How has having a partner who's uh, kind of a sports psych expert helped you out? I know she, she kind of coaches right. you through the workouts and kind of gives you some good um, cues. Yeah. 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 So Lindsay's done a, a PhD on educational psychology and she has some sports psych background. Um, and a lot of her research was uh, was geared around athletes and how they how they learn and how they perform in sports and if that sort of transfers over to their academic performance so yeah she's got a lot of knowledge about you know how people think how athletes think how people acquire skills how people think about skills um so usually for a before a competitive event or performance uh i will slash we will try and come up with some sort of a game plan for how i want to do the event how i want to approach the event um you know at what time beforehand I want to have my supplements, uh, what outfits I'm going to use, everything kind of gets like dialed in. Um, and just having her to sort of like run that, run that by and have her like keep me accountable to it, uh, I think is awesome. In a sense, you know, anyone could do that, but um, for her, like having her with that knowledge of background that can kind of validate whatever plan we put in place as being like, you know, legitimately uh, uh, good and, and helpful. Um, and then also her having the language and the tools and the understanding of some of like the mental things that I might be going through, like the ups and the downs, um, the, uh, like where my focus is, um, and whether I'm putting accountability on external factors or internal factors. Um, she's got a great understanding of that and can kind of keep me honest and, uh, and keep me clear and keep me focused on, on the right things yeah that's that's awesome Mm -hmm. yeah interesting yeah it's good to have someone who even subconsciously knows so they might not you know that she might not say directly to you this is what you have to do but just the way she reacts to some of the you know your downs or your ups and downs might be something that benefits you versus you could have someone around you know like a friend or something that doesn't understand as much and you know they say something to set you off or you know you did still sets me off (laughs) well yeah anyone you know that well is gonna you're gonna have some clashes but yeah i I personally Mm -hmm. think you're probably really lucky to have to have Lindsay to uh to help you out there Uh, yeah i would agree with that statement (laughs) i think Lindsay will like that (laughs) um shout out Lindsay. yeah um so i actually yesterday i dived deep into the reddit and i i haven't been on reddit actually so i was like oh let's let's check out what people want to know about lucas parker and um andrew ellis will be happy you're on there (laughs) i know shout out andrew ellis (laughs) shout out andrew ellis (laughs) he's gonna be really stoked about that one if we had his reddit username we could drop that but i think that's against oh yeah i know i thought about that actually Mm -hmm. he told me he was going to uh well actually no i can't say that because some people are going to know who he is yeah, so I stumbled upon a post. So I know you do some blog posts and you reflect after competitions and things oh, yeah. like that. So I think you wrote one after um, the games in 2016 and specifically kind of about the first day, the trail run and things. Right. Um, maybe go deeper into some of the frustrations that you had if you can and, huh. you know, things about, was it about the programming at the games? Was it just about um, your mental state dealing with it? Right, right. Yeah. 
go deeper. Um, <laughs> I, go well, deep. as, as deep as I went was basically that, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I, don't, I think a lot of people misread that post. So just to sort of like recap, um, I, I made a reflection that said that for me, I thought the games had quite a well kind of two two separate reflections here so one just sort of an observation was that it seemed like the games is trending or at the at the very least last year in particular had almost like a quite a military theme or military vibe um you know with some of the specific events like uh the team event where they were like carrying you know their member on a a cot or a a stretcher um (laughs) and uh just a huge emphasis on uh on the running in pretty much every event uh, and the whole um, super secret uh, 3 a.m. field trip on the airplane, things like, yeah. you know, things like that. Um, that was just kind of an observation. Uh, and, and kind of in concert with that, this the second point was more that I, for me personally, I felt that there were kind of two competitions happening for me as an athlete. One was what I called like the Dave Castro games, which is kind of, a cute way of saying, oh yes, it had you know this this military feel, um, and in the military, it's not about first place, second place, tenth place, fortieth place. In the military, it's about life or death. It's about yeah. pass or fail. Who survives? Uh, who survives? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so in that regard, I thought I was doing fairly well. I succeeded in a number of ways because I did survive events. I did overcome um, muscle strains and pains and, and things like that. Um, so pass or fail, I, I guess I kind of passed in in a, in a in a handful of ways. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's there's a second competition or the the other competition or the real competition, which was the CrossFit Games. And the CrossFit Games is not pass or fail; it is first place, second place, tenth place, fortieth place. Um, and I felt like I wasn't really participating in that as much as I had expected or wanted to or hoped to, because I was dealing so much with um, damage and fallout and and physical recovery from pushing myself on the earlier events. Right. Uh, so yeah, that was, I mean, less of a critique of the programming and more just an expression of how I was kind of disappointed with that aspect of my experience. So, I mean, there are things I can do about that. I can complain about the programming. I can send emails. I can try and get people to make a competition that's more suited to me. Um, or I can try and reflect, take notes, adapt, train. Um, which I think I've been doing, but let's say this season, this year takes another shift. Maybe they shift in a different direction. Maybe they go in a more, oh, who knows what, a more strongman direction or a more like Spartan race obstacle course direction or this or that. Like you never really know what flavor or what theme is going to sort of arise. Uh, and I think for many athletes, for most athletes who are training through the year, um, that can be a legitimate game changer yeah. uh, if you if you hit or miss on a particular approach or style of training um i think critics will say uh oh well you, you should have trained everything it's all about well-rounded fitness and blah 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 but again there's plenty of examples we can pull up where you know training one thing or not training one thing makes a, a surprisingly big difference um for example you know the <laughs> the claim i like to make is like if i had done a four to six week bodybuilding program for my calves Mm-hmm. before the 2016 CrossFit Games. So if I had spent all of like June and July doing calf raises, I probably very easily would have been in the top 10. And that's just <laughs> like a very strange, for me, that's a very strange uh, scenario to feel like 
you know, in the test of the, for the fittest on earth, that yeah. that kind of thing would make a difference. Um, right. Again, that's just, that's just my, my theorizing and my claim, but, uh, yeah, so just an interesting way for me to sort of think about the sport and my approach to the sport um, and how I can give it my best this year. Yeah, the pass or fail analogy is uh, is definitely really good because right. I, I find a lot of non-crossfitters who tell me they watch the CrossFit Games documentary on TV, oh, yeah. um, like on Apple or wherever, they say that it feels like Hunger Games. Like it's like real life Hunger yeah, Games yeah, and yeah. everyone's always saying that and it's it's... Yeah, it's almost like I don't know if that's what it's really meant to be necessarily. Like, right. Like, because it's a competition that there's not supposed to be. No one doesn't make it through. It's supposed to be kind of you know you place like in a hundred meter sprint. You don't have half the athletes drop out or <laughs> you know right. fall off the side. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Dave Castro has that particular aspect of his personality where he comes from the the military. That he's got the Navy SEAL background. He was an instructor there. So he has seen dozens, dozens, perhaps hundreds of people wash out and fail and then on the flip side succeed and overcome. Um, right. So I think that may uh, color or tint his, uh, his approach to testing. Um, that's not, I don't think that's a positive or negative thing. I think it's just something that's interesting to observe. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what's your thoughts on the future of CrossFit? Do you think it's, is it going uh, similar to where you want it to be going or... Is it is it going in a different direction? I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, what I see is um, 40, 50, 60-year-old folks, uh, <laughs> 10, 13, 16-year-old kids doing Olympic-style weightlifting, rope climbs, handstands. Uh, so I think that's pretty awesome. Um and there's probably some YouTube videos around that are like black and white that you can find from like back in the day when physical culture was more uh, was more prevalent, right? And there were all these, you know, g- gymnasiums. You'd go to the yeah. gymnasium and do exercise. And like now, then gymnasiums disappeared. Like there were no yeah. like gymnasiums. And yeah. now they're kind of making a comeback. Um, it's interesting. I, so on the, on the one hand, you look at like um, national and like, world scale statistics and people are getting fatter and and more unhealthy and diabetes is on the rise and obesity is on the rise um but at the same time physical culture is on the rise and random people walking down the street might be able to clean and jerk two or three hundred pounds like that's on the rise um (laughs) so it's kind of like again coming back to that bell curve like we're seeing kind of a a separation so there's kind of like these two lumps moving further and further apart where there's like the lump of like illness and unhealth and and unfitness that lump is getting bigger and moving further down towards the negative end and then there's like the the elite performance the the higher levels of health and wellness like that lump is getting a bit bigger and moving further to the right so it's almost like the two extremes are both growing yeah. So I'm glad to be part of the more positive extreme, which is the, the, the CrossFit world. Um, I'm glad to to be able to hopefully serve as an example of uh, of thoughtful preparation and and healthy, excellent, advantageous uh, movement and uh, and technique. Um, you always to move those well. People I was saying are, that yesterday. Trying to get into the sport. Well, thank you for that observation. I I definitely try to. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Um, yeah. No. Yesterday I was watching. What was the? Was it Wes? Was the workout you were doing yesterday? 
yesterday. Um, geez, I don't remember the name, which is unfortunate because it was a hero workout. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, it was an 800 meter run with a weight plate, uh, some strict pull-ups, strict pull-ups yeah. burpee box jumps and power cleans. And then another run. And on the last run, my the treadmill died. Actually, I got to send oh, send yeah. them and send uh, the owners of the gym an email and get them to charge <laughs> it back up. So I had to run outside, which, you know, God forbid you go run outside on a nice day. But when, yeah. you're, when you're prepping for regionals, you want to spend time on that treadmill. But um, yeah, so that was the workout I was doing. Yeah. Yeah, your pull-ups were like perfectly strict, man. Like it was so good. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I feel like, you know, if you're going to do one thing, you do it. So if you're going to kip, you kip all the way, you kip your balls off. If yeah. you're going to go strict, you strict all the way. Yeah. 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 No, it's good. Um, so I have a final question that I like to kind of ask everyone. And it's oh. top three things everyone could do uh, and they can easily do to make their day better. So whether they're an athlete or an everyday average Joe, um, it could mm. be anything to like waking up earlier or... Interesting. Yeah. Three things to make your day better. Well, some of these might be more practical or less practical. Some, full disclosure, I might follow, I might not actually follow, but they're all things that I, I guess, uh, do believe and, and do try to do. Um, so one is uh, to set an alarm and to ideally move your life in a direction where you're setting a bedtime alarm, not a wake-up alarm. Okay. Um, so I guess there's always this sort of, and this comes from my experience as like uh, a university student. Um, I just, I hated the mornings because I would, I didn't have enough sleep and I would have an alarm set and I had to get up and go to class. I mean, I could have skipped, but I, that wasn't really my, my jam. Um, and one thing I found was like those, those couple hours in the morning where like you're anticipating your alarm were just right off. Like they were the mm -hmm. shittiest sleep ever. Just not, not good, not productive. So one thing I tried to do is I would, I would actually set my alarm a couple hours early or like one or two hours early okay. so i'd be sort of like ready 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 for that alarm and then that alarm would go off and then i would like have this feeling of like relief and i could pass out and actually like get good sleep for an hour and then wake up again oh yeah um but anyways that's sort of a long-winded way of saying like i the reason you don't want to get up especially if you're a university student or if you have just you know projects and things on the go from work that that stay with you is there's always there's always that tendency to have there's more time in the evening I'll catch up on things in the evening oh it's it's 8 p.m. it's 9 p.m. well I still got to do this and that and that okay yeah. I'll do this and that and that and then before you know it it's late and oh, okay well I might as well go to bed and you kind of have to get up whereas if you tell yourself oh no I have to go to bed this is what I have to do I'm, I'm cut off I'm done let's say like you have a cutoff time of 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. you set your alarm at that point you're done you start your bedtime routine you go to bed and then you allow yourself to wake up when you're ready to wake up and chances right. are over time um if that can become a routine you will very easily be waking up you know a couple hours ahead of when you you know need to be out the door yeah and it'll be a stress-free wake up you'll have a bit of time to sort of get your day going do what you want to do um so that would be like a large-scale routine shift that i would love to fully have implemented like years and years ago when i was a student um or when i had summer jobs that started at six in the morning you know things like that brutal yeah so that that would be a, a large scale thing on a smaller smaller scale thing um again with the bedtime routine before you go to bed this is something that that i've been practicing with my partner is uh just sharing some gratitudes so we you know try and reflect on the day briefly and sort of pick three things that we'll, that we're grateful for either th things that sort of happened during the day or uh, things that we were involved with during the day or if we didn't really do much then sort of 
well, geez, I'm grateful to have, you know, running water that I can drink. Um, right. I'm grateful to have a toilet that flushes, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just sort of taking that moment to not only reflect and like kind of say to yourself in your own head what you're grateful for, but to actually like make those sounds with your mouth and put them out <laughs> into space and have them go into someone else's ear, yeah. I think is also uh, a beneficial practice. Right. Kind of like saying um, your goals out loud. It's a little bit different right. than just it's, thinking yeah, in your head. Kind of, kind of yeah. like po- posting your goals on Facebook, right? It keeps you accountable. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to the you gym get a today. Few likes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's kind of like that, except even more real. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you might not get a few likes. Yeah. But. So um, <laughs> setting a bedtime alarm to start your, your nighttime routine. Uh, part of that nighttime routine being uh, sharing some gratitudes. Uh, or writing them down in a journal is also a great way to do it because you're physically manifesting it on, on paper. Right. Um, and then a third point would be uh, as part of a morning routine, I have really benefited from doing uh, some, some meditation practice. And meditation can be as spiritual and religious and, uh, and uh, as out there as you want to make it. Um, or it can be very concrete and based in the physical so doing a breathing practice there are uh, a multitude of apps out there that have like a breathing pacer um on the very simple end then there's more complicated ones that have you know a a verbal instruction that you follow uh or then um there's just you can kind of do your own thing right you set uh set five minutes aside to stare a point on the wall and try and clear your mind um i personally like to focus more on on the breathing side of things so getting into some some basic uh uh, belly breathing, like we kind of talked about earlier. So trying to get a, keep my neck relaxed, keep my chest and my and my uh, and my lats relaxed, and really breathe as deep as I can in my belly, um, in a slow and controlled way. And from there, just kind of focusing on um, feeling some some positive emotions. So going from that very very physical base, setting out a kind of a physical platform, and then going into sort of tying into say uh on the on the in breath i'm i'm breathing in love and on the out breath i'm breathing out appreciation or i'm breathing in confidence and i'm breathing out doubt things like that um, right but i like to start with that physical base uh so that would be that would be the the third thing that i recommend um to sort of start your day is uh with some sort of a um, meditation practice doesn't have to be too fancy but it can kind of uh add a good flavor to the rest of your day and then set you off on the right foot awesome so I know you are hilarious on Twitter, and you <laughs> Not almost in real life, just on Twitter. <laughs> you had a tweet almost go viral about the Super Bowl. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, where can people find you? What platforms are you on? What's your website? <laughs> my uh, my Twitter is is probably the 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 most fun of my social media, <laughs> probably because it's limited to 140 characters. So you have to be like concise with your questions and answers um so in in that way it's almost just has a lot more clarity to it but there's also a lot more like racism and hatred on oh, twitter yeah. but uh but I, I i like engaging with people on twitter i'm uh, at Tuke luke um it's t-o-q-u-e which is uh what some uh uh people south of the border might call a uh, a knit cap or a beanie uh the correct terminology for a for a, a knit cap or a beanie or a, a wool headpiece is a toque. Um, so I'm Tuke Luke. Uh, and that's also my handle on Instagram. Um, so I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and then I also have my website, lucasparker.ca, where I blog and occasionally post uh, some training montages, uh, reflections on my competitions. Uh, I have some awesome t-shirts and hats available on there as well. 
as far as upcoming projects, I'm going to be in Europe in August uh, for the Marseille Throwdown. Cool. Uh, and I'm going to be in Europe again in January for the European Championships. And that's going to be in the UK. Uh, so a little bit of French, a little bit of English. So I should feel right at home as a Canadian. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Lucas, for, for joining us on the show. I hope some people learn some great ways to make their training and their day better. Um, yeah. Thanks again. I hope so, too. Thank you, Natalie. Hey, guys. Just a reminder that if you enjoy any of the episodes, I encourage you to leave a review and share your thoughts. I'm super engaged on social and love when you guys hit me up at Natalie Alport with your thoughts or just to say hi. This podcast would not be possible without you guys, the listeners. So thank you so much. I'm really grateful. All In is brought to you by 93 Agency. 93 Agency helps your business grow. 93 Agency's mission is to help businesses realize their full potential through providing services that enable them to reach audiences in creative and valuable ways. 93 Agency specializes in digital marketing and social media management. 93 Agency generates leads, improves credibility, and increases customer loyalty, all while saving your business valuable time and costs. Check 93 Agency out at 93agency.com or follow on social media at 93agency. For more awesome content, you can head to my website at www.natalieallport.com. You can follow me on social media at natalieallport. And you can head to my YouTube channel, Natalie Allport, where I vlog and I post videos of my adventures and snowboarding and CrossFit and tons of random cool stuff if you're into that thing. I really appreciate it. If you guys follow me, you can send me an email, uh, nat at natalieallport.com and let me know, hey, I just subscribed to you on YouTube. Let me know what you think, if you have any tips, any advice. And uh, I try to respond to as many as I can. So thanks. I really appreciate it.